Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with ballerina Nikisha Fogo. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Waymaker Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Nikisha Fogo is a Swedish ballerina who is a principal dancer with the San Francisco Ballet and former principal dancer at the Vienna State Ballet. Today, she will discuss her ballet journey, what helped her perfect her craft, and so much more. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker. And today on the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have the privilege and the honor of interviewing Nikisha Fogo, principal dancer at the San Francisco Ballet. Welcome, Nikisha. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, Nikisha, let's start from the very beginning. Where were you born? So I was born in Sweden and I, my family were always, or my parents were both dancers, uh, but they were hip hop dancers. So that's where I started my dance journey. <laughs> and it wasn't, uh, I guess, a typical dance beginning or ballet beginning because um, most people maybe start ballet when they're three or four, but I started when I was 10. Um, yeah. <laughs> so your parents were hip hop dancers in Europe. Yeah, so they actually started, uh, they founded Sweden's first hip hop school. So that was not really a thing in Sweden before my parents um, opened the school for people to learn. And, um, and as a baby, I was always in the studio watching them and um, well, yeah, loved it, obviously. <laughs> I've always loved dancing in any types of form, yeah. So, so as, as we would say, you had it in the blood. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, so how did you go from, let's say, hip hop into ballet? How was that transition for you? Well, um, well, I was dancing hip hop and jazz tap everything most of the week. And I wanted to, incorporate the dance with my education. And I saw an ad, I think, for the Royal Swedish Ballet School. And that school has the education and dance together. And for me, I was like, this sounds like something I want to do. I want to do this. I want to dance. I didn't really know much about ballet, uh, but I knew that ballet was kind of the, the baseline of movement. So if you knew how to do ballet or like have control over your body, even if you just like try it once, I really felt like um, it could take me anywhere from there. Um, so that's, so I begged my parents, please, please, can I please audition for the school? And they said, yeah, sure. Um, we're going to support you in this. And when I started dancing ballet, I just fell in love and how, I mean, it's very difficult and you really need to um, focus and really work towards, um, I don't want to say like perfecting things because nothing's perfect, but 
just striving to create some something with your body um and kind of like I guess like ticking off the boxes kind of thing when maybe um I feel that hip-hop or other contemporary dance it's more you're I guess a bit more free in the sense that you can interpret the movements um a bit differently it's a bit more you find your own style what was the most challenging part of going from whether it's hip-hop or tap or jazz to ballet what's the that thing that's difficult in making that transition um well ballet or i don't want to say it can be stiff but it's definitely a little bit more <laughs> stiff than hip-hop so i had to contain myself and focus my energy um and i liked it i guess i I like the detail that I had to um, really strive towards. Would you say it's, it's a little more structured? Uh... Yeah, definitely. It's more structured. There are a lot of rules, I guess, that you have to follow. Um, many movements, everyone is trying to achieve the same thing, I guess. Um, yeah. So when, when you see movies or documentaries on ballet, you usually see that this is this very disciplined dance and it always looks like the instructor is like hard on the students all the time that you guys get no breaks. Is that reality or is that just made up for entertainment? <laughs> well, I feel like in any movie, everything is a little bit over-exaggerated, but it is kind of like that because we we have a lot of external judgment or like to create something that's supposed to be a certain way. And then also from ourselves that we, we constantly look ourselves in the mirror, right? The whole day. And sometimes, I mean, you have to be strong and really believe in yourself and not let outside people I guess, judge you or tell you who you are or what you can and cannot do. So and that's definitely been something that I, I've had to um, try to work on and, and feel because I mean, being a little bit different in this world, obviously, I get those types of comments too. So. And, and when was the first time that you come to America? So I, I came here or moved here in the middle of the pandemic, October 2020, which was very, <laughs> it was definitely a hard time to move um, on your own. I didn't know really anyone here. I came with two suitcases. Um, I joined the company here and um, yeah, I didn't know anyone. And when I met people, we were all wearing face masks. So it, I felt really disconnected. So how did that work culturally for you? You know, you, you're in a new country, you're only seeing half of people's face. Uh, I would assume 90 some percent of the time, especially in 2020. Uh, how did that work for you emotionally? And how was that? Uh, well, <laughs> first, 
first of all, I was just really excited to finally be here because of the pandemic and everything. Um, it gave me a hard time to, to get my visa and come here and everything. So first off, I was just excited. And then, I mean, I had to spend a lot of time with myself <laughs> because, I mean, you couldn't just meet someone out and then hang out with them because I mean, so that was pretty tough I must say um but now I'm really happy that things are back and I can I'm like can kind of find my people a little bit and yeah <laughs> you know um I interviewed uh, uh a young lady uh, by the name of Madupi uh Akinola who is uh at Columbia University. She's a professor there. Uh, and uh, she worked with Chris Hemsworth on the series Limitless, and she helped him deal with stress. She's basically a stress professor. Mm -hmm. Do you feel stress as the first Black principal dancer of the San Francisco Ballet? Do, do you feel pressure about that? Uh, is it something that you think about uh, often or not? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I feel obviously super honored to be able to kind of open doors for people or for young dancers to look at me and feel, wow, like she's doing what I want to do, so I can do it too. And, but with that obviously comes a lot of pressure, or at least I feel sometimes. And um, yeah, I just feel like even it's worth it if if it makes it easier for other people to to be able to do it too. And representation really matters. And yeah, I I do feel a bit stressed about it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Some but, say that the ballet world has been plagued with racism. What has been your experience? Yeah, well, I feel like when, when I was younger, I didn't really think about it at all. I was just there to dance. And then slowly I started realizing that people look at me in a different way, right? Like I, that's when it started to creep in. Um, when I was younger, uh, one of my teachers, he was kind of telling me off for where he said my hair is too frizzy and I could never become a professional ballerina because my hair is too frizzy. And I realized for me, like that, it stuck with me. And also I realized the pattern in it. Um, every, it was several occasions, even in my professional, um, yeah, when I was being a professional that I had had comments on my hair being frizzy or something is wrong with my hair when in fact, it's not, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with my hair. It's beautiful. And I had to like, kind of unteach myself that, um, when, my white colleagues have their hair out for a performance or they're asked to have their hair out 
they always tell me, or someone will come up to me and be like, oh, it's so dry, you should put some water on it, or maybe you should straighten it, or you can't have it like this. There's always a problem. <laughs> um, when, when I'm just there thinking like, well, it doesn't matter what my hair looks like, right? Like you should be looking at my dancing. That's what brought me here in the first place, right? Yeah, so it's been a lot of these types of things. So I can't even imagine how other people, what they're going through, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, and also um, typecasting, castings, uh, something I realized I, uh, in the beginning, I was often casted as like the gypsy girl or like these types of roles rather than like the princess or the main character in that way which was a bit frustrating because um, was wasn't any less capable. Um, but with hard work or I don't know what the shift was, but I managed to break those barriers and ended up not being casted as the the princess or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> so what advice? would you give to parents or young dancers who may be uh, listening to this podcast? Yeah. You know, what type of advice would you give to them who are thinking that they want to follow in your footsteps? Well, I think that if you have the passion for something, if you love something, you should definitely try to pursue it. Um, that's been my biggest drive through all of this that it's worth it because I love it so why shouldn't I be able to do it right I'm human and I want to do this and I have the right to so I think that um like as a parent um support your kids let them try whatever they want to try and if they love it then they can do it you know what has the, the, the discipline and the training of dance taught you about life in general? Um, the discipline, it's definitely, well, for me, definitely that um, if I really focus and put my mind to it, that I can create something beautiful. I can inspire people. Um, and have fun, first of all. <laughs> um, and I think that this my biggest lesson or is that it, it just always comes back to having fun with it for me. What particular performance stands out for you? I mean, what what is the thing that you say when you look back, when I did that, I knew I was through the hole. I was on top. What performance was that? Um, well, in my previous company, I, I used to dance in Vienna State Opera Ballet in Austria. Mm -hmm. And I had been casted to, um, to be the principal dancer in a ballet called Sylvia that was being created on me. And that 
that was definitely one of my like highlights in my career where I really felt like, wow, I'm doing what little 10-year-old Nikisha wanted to do. I'm here, I'm the leading dancer being created on for a new ballet. Um, and the performance, yeah, after the performance, I got promoted to principal, which I believe I was also the first there in Vienna so I don't know it was that performance for me was just it really meant a lot for me have you ever suffered an injury I have unfortunately I just I'm just now coming back from an injury um so when I came here to San Francisco Ballet was obviously during the pandemic and we weren't performing and then last season would have been my first performing season with the company. And the company life is a bit different here in San Francisco than what I'm used to. So here we um, rehearse everything from what is it July until December. We learn everything, rehearse everything, and then we perform everything from, um, what is it, December until May. So... I rehearsed everything. I was about to do two of my dream roles that I've always wanted to do is um, Kitri and Don Q uh, and uh, Odette Odile in Swan Lake, which has, is a role that I would really like to do. Um, so I rehearsed everything. And then it comes to January and I start to feel this little pains in my in my foot, so in the back of my foot, close to the, by the Achilles. And um, I remember I was working on five ballets at, this, at the time that we were working to perform. And it was a lot, but I was really enjoying myself. But when I felt this pain, I was thinking, oh, no, 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 this can't be, <laughs> please. And I just remember we had a stage a costume stage rehearsal of a piece called Blake Works, which is a ballet to the music of James Blake, which is really nice, really nice ballet. And I remember feeling before the rehearsal, oh, it was feeling a bit weird. So I kind of put it in the back of my head and just went on and did the stage rehearsal. No one was watching, but it was no audience, nothing, but I was loving it. I remember thinking like, oh, this is, it feels so good to be on stage again. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like I was just in the zone that performed, uh, not performance, but it felt like performance was a stage rehearsal. And I came off the stage and I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't take a step. Um, I was obviously like, was it the Achilles? So it was a my FHL tendon, which is the tendon that runs behind the Achilles and under the foot. So I had a 10 centimeter long inflammation in there. Um, and it was chronic at that point. And it took a long time to figure out what really was wrong with it and how to fix it. Um, 
So yeah, I ended up having to get surgery. So wait, that was in January and I got surgery in May. So I flew to New York to see a foot specialist or dancer foot specialist and he could help me. So he did my surgery in May. And that whole time being injured, it was definitely a really hard time in the sense that I moved here all the way from Sweden or from Europe with no one, I didn't have my support, my family to do what I love, right? And it was just taken away from me in a second. And I really had to think, like I had a lot of time to reflect. Um, and I mean, everything happens for a reason, right? That's what I had to think and kind of detach myself from like, I felt like my whole identity was the dance, being a ballerina, being a dancer. And I had to, you know, take a step back. Dancing is a part of me, but it's not who I am. But it took a long time to kind of understand that in that moment. Um, so, so you had the surgery in May? Yeah. And when were you able to get back to uh, practicing? Uh, I was back practicing in October. And wow. it was pretty fast. Yeah. I had wow. my performance um, in December. Wow. Okay. So as I said, you are a real elite <laughs> athlete. Yeah. No, so it, yeah, it, it felt amazing to be back, but I'm still trying to find my way and getting back into it. And um, with my new now view on dance and my profession, I'm still making yeah, trying to figure everything out. And, and, and what would you say is your, your new view? How would you describe your new view on dancing? Well, my new view is definitely that um, as dancers, we, we, we get so like, um, immersed into what we're doing and we feel, or at least I felt like, I, ha I really have to do this performance or if my um, if my body is telling me something that this isn't right, I just put it in the back of my head and just kept going because I really felt like the, it was the end of the world if I couldn't do the performance or the rehearsal. But now I'm definitely listening to my body more. And I think that's something that I really, I always try to, express when yeah online or whenever I talk about my injury listen to your body because it's telling you something for a reason and it's not the end of the world if you don't do that one performance or that one rehearsal because in the long run you have to look at the big picture um, and dancing isn't all I am it's just a part of me so that I guess that's my new view on it. <laughs> okay. 
That's good. So do you have any pre uh, sort of uh, dance rituals, things that you do uh, consistently before any performance? Um, yeah, I mean, I know that all dancers, they have their own thing going on. And it's always really interesting to see what everyone's doing. But I'm, so for me, normally before a performance, I go home, I take a nap on the couch while I watch TV <laughs> uh, after I eat like a big lunch. And then when it's time to go to the theater, I go, I put in my, my music and I start doing my makeup and hair which is something that's really um, calming for me because I'm. it's one thing I'm in control of at that moment, right? My nerves are all over the place so I can channel it into the makeup. Now, do, you, do you do your own makeup or do you have someone else doing the makeup? I do my own makeup, my own hair because that's nothing, no one knew how to do my hair. myself. <laughs> 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 So, but I, I, I've fallen in love with makeup and hair and trying new things. I always try to match my makeup with my costume and I don't know, I, it really calms me. So now you, you talked about eating. So, you know, most people think that ballet dancers don't eat anything. They think you guys, you know, eat kale and, and lettuce and that's about it. So, Tell us a typical meal for you. I mean, do you really eat like, you eat like a burger or a hot dog? Do you do that? Or is everything strictly healthy? No, I have, <laughs> I have the biggest, the biggest sweet tooth. So <laughs> one thing that I do very often here is that there's a, a Swedish candy store. And really, they have a lot of my favorite Swedish sour gummies in this candy store. Okay. That's true here in San Francisco. So I often go there and I buy like $20 worth of candy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I love it. And um, another guilty pleasure of mine is popcorn. I'm obsessed with popcorn. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, 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 that's impressive. Okay. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, I, I don't really think so much about like, obviously, I should eat healthy, but I try to just eat what, I, what I'm craving or what I want, and yeah. <laughs> is, 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 is there still a role you aspire to? Is, is there is one performance you still said, hey, that's going to be the crown jewel for me? Well, definitely um, the role of Odetto deal that I was supposed to do uh, last year. Um, because I mean, Swan Lake, it's, I mean, if you think of ballet, you normally yeah. think of Swan Lake. And I feel like that would just be so awesome to do that role. And it's so technical and, and you have to be like strong and at the same time, delicate. And yeah, it would be really nice to, to do that role. Swan Lake. Okay. So, Nikisha, we here at Waymaker, we believe that every successful person has had a Waymaker in their life. Talk about some of the people who've made a way for you. 
Yeah. Um, well, definitely, first of all, my parents for like supporting me and believing in me to like hyping me up that I can do it, you know, and that whatever I put my mind to that I, I can. Um, so definitely my parents and also like that they're inspiring to me because they opened the hip hop school in Sweden where, I mean, people didn't do that there. <laughs> and so that, that was definitely, for me, that was really inspiring now that I like asked them about it. And um, also definitely my, um, my old director in my old company for like giving me the opportunities and freedom to do these roles and promote promotions and everything so that I can be the dancer I am today and also be the role model that I am today, giving me the chance. Um, yeah, and yeah, for inspiration, I was also thinking, I've always loved Rihanna <laughs> because she's just such a boss. Well, you, you, you should have been at the Super Bowl with me then, all right? I right. had a close-up view. All you right. were there? Oh. I was there. I'm definitely jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just love her because she's she does what she wants to do. She's confident. She um, she has her business businesses, businesswoman, artists. Like she, yeah, in so many ways, I I admire her. So since your parents uh, were teaching hip hop, so I'm assuming you know what a hiplet is, a hiplet ballerina. Yeah, is. I've seen it. <laughs> tell our audience what a hiplet ballerina is. So basically, I've never taken a class before. I would love to. But it's basically ballet um, to like popular music. And you're doing like, I guess it's a hybrid of hip hop and ballet on point. Uh -huh. Yeah, you should definitely, if you don't know what it is, like Google it and you'll find some videos. Does, does your parents teach it or not? No, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't? No. So what do you want to do when you retire? Have you even thought that far ahead yet? <laughs> well, with my recent injury, it's definitely something that, because I could, couldn't dance, I was thinking to myself, oh, if I can't go back, what am I going to do? It's definitely mm, a crisis moment. Since <laughs> 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 that. Since I was 10, I I was, I had this goal and now I'm here already. So I'm, I'm here now. So now what, right? <laughs> um, but it's still a, I still don't know. And I think that's, uh, it's okay to not know. But um, I have a, a lot of hobbies and things that I love to do. So definitely, something within that. So I like doing making jewelry, um, make rings and earrings. Um, 
I love makeup and fashion. So I was going to say, maybe you can follow in uh, Rihanna's footsteps and start your own makeup line. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Um, yeah, something creative. That's great. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Waymaker audience. It's clearly been an amazing journey and you've uh, had an amazing start with parents who started in hip hop, which I'm sure will be very interesting to our listening audience and also how you have evolved to be one of the best ballerinas in the world right now. So we want to thank you and congratulate you and wish you continued success and look forward to uh, 2023 and your many performances and don't get hurt anymore, all right? Thank you. And thank you for having this platform. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Nikisha Fogo. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know at our social media at Waymaker Culture. And don't forget to claim your Waymaker Journal at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.